This is Emmanuel Today, taking steps toward God's possible in your life. On today's program, Staff Pastor Ben Bright shares a message entitled Hide and Seek, based on Psalm 32, verses 1 through 7. Grab your Bible and let's join Pastor Ben Bright right now. I have a message I want to share with you from Psalm chapter 32. And to set this psalm up for you, we're going to read through the text of it in a minute. What's going on in the, in the life of King David is he's the one that's written this psalm. This is what's called a, a fancy church word is a penitent psalm. It, it means he's, he's recognizing that he had done something wrong in his life. And he had to go to God and say, God, I need you to correct this in me. And God, I need you to do something new in me. I need you to restore the joy of your salvation into me. You see, David was a king over all of God's people in Israel, and he was a powerful person. And the story of this goes, and I'll just walk you through it quickly in case you don't know it, is he saw a woman that he thought was very beautiful, and he realized, someone pointed it out to him, that may be that she's beautiful, but she's married to one of your, one of your commanders in your army. And, and David said, okay, bring her here anyway. And David committed adultery with this woman named Bathsheba. And then to compound the thing, he had made this terrible mistake, he had done this grievous thing, and he was unfaithful, and he perpetuated that unfaithfulness. And then instead of resolving the issue that he had, he, he doubled down on it. And he had Uriah, this woman's husband, actually put to death, basically, by setting him up in a battle to die. And so David came to terms with his wrong, and he felt completely terrible, and he came to a point of repentance, but he took over a course of probably what a lot of scholars would say is a year to come around to this. And it took a man of God coming and confronting him in his sin. And then this psalm here takes place in the middle of that, kind of towards the end of it. And it's Psalm chapter 32, if you want to read along with me. I'm just going to read seven verses to you and then we'll, we'll get to some preaching. It says, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you, and I stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me, and all my guilt is gone. Therefore, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time that they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment. For you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with the songs of victory. There's a couple of themes that are intertwined throughout this, this psalm, and I, I titled the message today, Hide and Seek, because King David, as he was writing this psalm, he really carried this theme of, of hiding into uh, this, this passage and of, you see this other word of guilt that happens a lot that he was feeling on the inside for what he had done. If we play hide and seek around the house, I do the dad thing and I, I count it off, you know, down from 10 or 100 or however many it is, and then you kind of already know where they are the minute you open your eyes and start looking and you just, you know they're over there, so you start over here and you go, huh, where are you? Are you under here? No, okay. Let me see, and you, you wander around a little of a bit, looking and, until you find them. Roxy, our youngest, God gave her the gift of hide and seek. 
She's our only child that I haven't been able to find and who won't come out when you call her. She has a different version that's at another level from what I'm used to. What so happened a couple years ago, we have friends in the area who are associate pastors at another church locally here, and the guy, the, the associate pastor, he interned with me a long, long time ago, and we've stayed in touch. We have a great relationship, and they love our kids, so they wanted to babysit our kids one night. We said, that's great, and they brought them to church with them, and they had a, a worship rehearsal, and it was later that night we got the phone call that no parent ever wants to hear or have. They called us, and my friend sounded panicked. And like he didn't want to tell me the news that he had to share. And he said, hey, Pastor Ben, we're at the church. We played hide and seek. And I'm really worried because it's been 20 minutes where we've been looking for Roxy and we can't find her. I think we need to call the cops. We don't know if she left the building. We don't know where she is. And I'm thinking, I'm about to get in the car, you know, and drive down to the church and see if I can help find her. Well, it, it turns out that night that Roxy had found her way under a table that had a table skirt, and she was winning this game so much, she just fell asleep. <laughs> a sigh of relief for me. You know, when we're hiding, when you and I will hide, or if you've ever hidden from somebody or something in your life, there's certain feelings that you associate with it. Uh, I don't know if you've had an older brother, older sibling that you've ever done something to and then you went and hid because you knew your day of judgment was coming and you hid and you're so quiet and then you get these different feelings, right? You feel things like worry. Like, God, if he finds me here, I'm gonna die. You start feeling anxious, and when you're in this mode, every, every second feels like minutes, and every minute feels like hours. And then if you've done something wrong and you're about to be found out, all of a sudden that guilt of everything you did just weighs so heavy on your heart, right? And you're just feeling like, oh, I feel terrible. I'm about to be exposed. Everything's gonna come to light. Uh, there was a time when I was a child that uh, my mom was out of the house, uh, and my mom's so awesome, just a really good mom, and she had left us home, and I was hanging out with some neighbor kids, and they told us, one of them said, hey, do any of you have fireworks? We should let out fireworks. And I'm like nine years old, and I think that's a great idea at nine years old. Uh, anything that goes fire, boom, anything, I'm all for it. So I knew that in, in our house, there was a little cedar chest in our upper, our second level that had fireworks in it. So I went home, ran upstairs, grabbed these bottle rockets, and the second I grabbed him, I heard the front door open. Mom came home. And I thought, that's okay, I can hide this. Now mind you, I'm, I may look thin now, but when I was nine years old, I was just like, you know, like this. And I thought it'd be a good idea to stick these bottle rockets in my shirt. And so I came, I decided I would put them in my shirt. I didn't realize they were like poking out but I slowly work my way down the steps. My heart's racing. I'm feeling all sorts of things like guilt. I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling worry. Every emotion that you could feel is just that like an accelerated amount is so high. And, and my mom is passing me on the steps and she probably didn't even see the bottle rocket. She probably just saw the sin on my face. <laughs> she, goes, she goes, hey, what are you doing? <sighs> Nothing, and she caught me and it was terrible, everything. 
I got sent to my room. We didn't get a light off fireworks that day. <laughs> Later in life, I asked her why she kept fireworks unlocked in my room. I felt like she had something to do with it, too. <laughs> you know, but the reality is, if you take a moment like that, and those are kind of fun, funny moments, but if you take our lives and our stories, and you think about the things that we hide just under the surface, and how we feel with them sometimes. We begin to feel these things like King David felt. Imagine a year of feeling the guilt of sin like he did. Imagine the worry that he had. Imagine the anxiety that, that just rocked his life during that season. And he hid his sin for a while. And hiding sin isn't something that's new in the scripture. When you go back to the very beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis, when God made this perfect creation, when God spoke the universe into being, he put the earth in its place, he created beautiful vegetation and amazing animals and, and all of these things, and then he made uh, man and woman in his image, Adam and Eve, a husband and wife, and God would come and he would walk with them in this beautiful garden that he set up for them. It was like living in the tropics with God, and everything was perfect. And God had instructed them, hey, everything's good here for you. You can rule over it, you have dominion over it, you can oversee it, you can take care of it. There's just one thing I don't want you to do and I don't want you to eat fruit from this tree over here. And so they were living this beautiful existence with God. But one day, Adam and Eve encountered temptation and they did the very thing that God had asked them not to do and we'll pick up the story here in Genesis chapter three, starting in verse seven. It says, at that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Now, I don't know how they sewed back then. Like, need, I, I just was reading this, imagining Adam and Eve trying to figure out a needle and thread for the first time. Just think about that later, tuck it away. <laughs> Ponder it on your heart. But when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and the wife heard the Lord God walking through the garden, so they hid from the Lord among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Now, when I'm looking for somebody today, I might ask, like, hey, where are you? Or if we can't find something, I just open that Find My Phone app, and then I can find most of the things that I need. God knew where Adam and Eve were. It's more a question that was for them to think about where they were and what they were doing. Adam replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. You see, Adam was exposed. He knew that when God found him, he would have to confront what he had done. And the interesting thing about this is, we just read a couple of verses earlier, they'd actually already covered themselves with fig leaves. They weren't actually naked anymore. But sometimes, externally we might be covered, but internally we might feel very vulnerable, right? Verse 11, who told you that you were naked, the Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? And the man replied, it was the woman. I imagine him saying it just like that. It was the woman that you gave me, God. I read scripture different than you. Um, you're going to discover that throughout the day today. You know, it, it's, 
Not unlike us, though. I laugh so hard when I read it, and then I feel so convicted and guilty of the same thing. When confronted with something that's been hidden, we often still try to not take responsibility for what we've done. You see, Adam had a part to play. Adam was responsible to protect the garden, to oversee it. And Adam, when confronted with sin, displaced the blame and pointed the finger. And as Pastor Nate will tell you, we all know when you have one point, finger pointed that way, how many do you have coming back at you, right? It's three. <laughs> Saw somebody counting. I just wanted to skip ahead. You know, when confronted, we, Adam still tried to hide the blame. He pointed the finger. And then the Lord asked the woman, what have you done? And what they were feeling was this feeling that David described in Psalm 32 they were feeling guilt. In Psalm 32, David says in verses 3 and 4, When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away. I groaned all day and night. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me, and my strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. This is like a word picture of what happens when we feel guilt on our life. When we're living through that emotion of guilt, our strength wastes away. We feel a heaviness upon us day and night, and our strength begins to evaporate like a summer heat. And I like Charles Spurgeon, a, a, a preacher. He said, God does not permit his children to sin successfully. When we sin, we feel that burden of guilt. And, and guilt is feeling, uh, people talk about guilt in a couple different ways. One of them is this. We feel guilty when we feel like we owe somebody something. You know, if you feel like you did something, that you took something away from somebody, you owe them an apology. Husband leaves his wife and kids. He might feel guilty about that. And then he feels like he owes them something to the point where he tries to make it up to them. Even though you couldn't define what the it is, he's still trying to make it up to them because he feels this obligation that he owes them something. And when you live with that feeling of guilt, you do all sorts of things to try to combat it because the feeling doesn't always just resolve itself and it doesn't go away on its own. You can try to push it out of your mind for a little bit, but the reality is when you come back to thinking about what you have done, you still feel guilty. And you see, in scripture we learn that every time that we sin, we're actually sinning against God. And it feels like we owe him something that we know that we can't make up to him. And we feel this heaviness of guilt. And so what do we all do? We just put on our smiling faces and pretend to the world like none of us deal with the same thing. The other issue with guilt that people talk about is a, in a or definition you can read about is in court, someone's found guilty. Isn't that interesting? That phrasing that we're so used to? They're found guilty. You see, the guilt was there, but it was discovered. It's not hidden anymore. It's public. It's open for everyone to see. And it's that reality of being found guilty. And then you have to deal with the ramifications, restitution, and punishment for the offense that occurred. Some people try to put it off. We have cold cases. It's crazy now with our technology that you have people that committed a crime 30 years ago, and now through some crazy science DNA evidence, people are getting discovered and found out for something they did a long time ago. And for 30 years, some of these people have lived a different life. They've lived a different identity. They've put on a different face. They've tried to hide their guilt from the world, but we can only do so good at it and the guilt is discovered. They go to court and they're actually found guilty. We can try to ignore the feeling of guilt, 
but it's like trying to ignore a debt. The longer you ignore a debt that has payments on it, what happens to it? It grows. And that feeling of guilt can grow. And what ends up hiding it, what ends up happening is that we hide the guilt from the world. But I want to tell you this about hiding. Hiding keeps you looking at the past and it gives you a fear of the future. When you're hiding, you're always looking at what you did back there and you're unable to see what God would have out there. When you're hiding, you allow yourself to be defined by the guilt that's behind you instead of the opportunity and the freedom that could be in front of you. You see, hiding in sin, if we're hiding sin or hiding in sin or hiding with our sin, is how I like to say it, because you're really just hiding with the sin, when it's discovered, all that's seen is guilt. You see, we also hide in our weaknesses, not just our sins, we hide in our weaknesses. A lot of times people hide with their insecurity. And when you hide with insecurity, you have the voice of a critic. Insecurity is the greatest cause to the effect of a critical voice. What does that mean? That means that if I'm feeling insecure about something, I point out something in you that's not so great. And I point out something in you that's not so great so that I can look just a little bit better. And you have people in this world that are right amongst us today, and myself sometimes included in that, that when we're feeling insecure, and that's a weakness of ours, all of a sudden our voice becomes critical. Other people, they hide their weakness with anger. And so when you're getting down to discovering what's really under the surface, it's a lash out. And it's, a, it's this ugly like, Aah! and you're like, I only asked you for this, why are you, why are you, re-? and it's because that anger is a hiding mechanism. So this is what happens, and I'm not gonna, I'm, it's not all doom and gloom, trust me, we're gonna get to the good news right now. This is just what happens when we're, on our, when we're left alone with our guilt. We hide it, and that's the path that we go down. But I do have good news for you, because there's hiding with that guilt, or there's another option of where we can hide. And there's another option of a God who comes seeking and rescuing. You see, God, loves each one of us so very, very much. He doesn't want us to have to hide with guilt. He doesn't want us to have to hide at all outside of him. I love the story in Donald Miller's book, Blue Like Jazz. He talks about going to a bluegrass concert with a friend and the singer told the story of a friend of his who was a Navy SEAL. And he talked about this Navy SEAL going on a rescue mission in one of the darkest places of the world to free some hostages. There's this group of hostages that were tucked away in a dark room and they'd been left there and they'd been tortured and harassed for a a long period of time. And when the Navy SEALs finally got to the door, they opened the door and and they were so excited because they'd found their target to rescue and and they just let the people know. They said, hey, we're we're Americans, We're, we're here to rescue you. But the people's minds had been so distorted and they were so afraid that they just huddled on the floor. And the story goes that the Navy SEALs didn't really know what to do. Like, how do we get these people? We got to get them out of here. We're on a timeline. We got a chopper waiting for us. And so one of the Navy SEALs sat there not knowing what to do, but he had an idea. He thought he'd do something that their captors would have never done. And he walked into the room where the people were, and he got down on the floor, and he laid down next to them. And he just let his body touch their body. And the people who were captured all of a sudden had this realization that 
my enemies, my captors would never do this. And they're able to scoop the people up and say, hey, follow us. We'll lead you out of here. That story for me is an illustration of God's love for us. You see, because God could just call up from heaven on a megaphone, fly planes in the sky, put, put messages in the clouds that, hey, I love you, and there's a way out. But he didn't. God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to take on a form like you and I have as a human, vulnerable. And Jesus came, and he lived a perfect completely perfect, righteous life here on earth. And Jesus walked amongst people. And then Jesus, in one moment, took all of the guilt, all of the shame, all of the sin on his shoulders so that he could do a transaction for us, so that he took our guilt so that we could be found innocent instead of guilty. And that's the good news of Jesus. That's the good news of the gospel You see, when, when God is the seeker and he's looking for you, he's not looking for you so that he can punish you. He's looking for you so he can rescue you and so he can give you freedom. In Colossians 1, and 22, the scripture says this, this includes you who were once far away from God, you were his enemies, separated from him by our evil thoughts and actions, yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless and you stand before him without a single fault. You know, the other day we were at home and one of the little kids did something wrong and they felt embarrassed about it and they ran out of the room and Sarah, she's such a great mom, she called them back and they didn't want to come because they thought they were going to get punished. And the reality was Sarah didn't want to hold what they had done against them, she just wanted to hold them. And it's the same with God. God calls out to us and he seeks us, not so that he can hold everything we've done bad against us, but he just wants to hold us as his children. You see, messing up doesn't get you kicked out of the kingdom. Let me say it again. Messing up doesn't get you kicked out of God's kingdom. Pastor and author Timothy Keller says this, the gospel is this, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Christ Jesus than we ever dared hope. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 3 says this to us. Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits at the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth, for you died to this life. Now catch this. And your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Do you realize you have the option in this life that you can hide with your insecurity, you can hide with your sin, you can hide with your guilt, you can hide with your shame and put a mask on every day of your life, or you can have your life hidden with Christ in God. We can live a life that's free from the guilt and live a life that's embracing Jesus. And when we are in Christ, we're covered by him. Our mistakes, our sins, our insecurities are covered by Jesus. And that means that instead of having to face the facts of the life that we've lived and everybody see the guilt that we have and being declared guilty, being found guilty, now with Jesus, guess what? We're found innocent. David recognized this. He said in Psalms 32, five and verse seven, he said, finally, I confessed all my sin to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. 
I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Verse 7, for you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with the songs of victory. David exchanged hiding his sins for a hiding place in the Lord. Just as hiding keeps you looking at the past and gives you a fear of the future, freedom keeps your eyes on the future knowing that your past is covered. Just like when you're hiding sin, all that's discovered when people see it is guilt. Hiding in God, when people see you, all they can see is Jesus. Instead of being found guilty, we're found innocent. Hiding in insecurity gives us the voice of a critic, but hiding in God gives us the voice of victory. How many of y'all want the voice of victory in your life today? I love what David says here. You're my hiding place. I'm choosing to hide myself in you, God, because in you, you protect me. Do you see the difference? When David was hiding with his guilt and shame, he was, he was hiding on unsure footing. He was anxious. He was worried that any day all of his sins could be discovered. He was worried about, hey, I, if people see the wrongs that I've done, surely they'll, they'll abandon me. And it was unsure footing. When we come to church and we've said yes to Jesus, but we haven't dealt with the stuff that we still feel guilty and shameful for in our lives, we have unsure footing. And it can lead us to, to feeling anxious. It can leave us feeling worried. It can leave us like we're not sure what's gonna happen next. But we can make a choice. We can confess it all. Confessing it means this, when you're telling God what you've done wrong, you're telling him something that he already knows about you. But there's a freedom that takes place in your soul and it allows you to be hidden in him. And now we're hidden with Jesus, what are we? We're protected, we have sure footing because we're standing on the rock of our salvation. We're standing on the name of Jesus which is above every other name in the heavens and on earth and below the earth and it's a name that has authority, it's a name at which every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he's Lord and we can be sure of what God has for us and we can look towards our future knowing that God's got the past covered, amen? Church, we're not defeated. The devil hasn't won. Your story's not over. I love it when we come into God's house every weekend and we sing songs declaring the victory of the Lord. We're taking in the breath of God. When you look back at the Genesis story, it's the breath of God that entered humanity that gives us life. And we're using the breath that God's given us to declare his wonder. Thank you for listening to Emmanuel Today. You can learn more about the various ministries that Emmanuel offers and see Sunday services live every week. Check out emmanuelcc.org for details. Please be sure to tell others about this broadcast that they could enjoy next week at this same time.